everyone to throw back to school at home. I am your well number one ghost. I mean host ghost. That's scary. Um, Liza Jolly, and join with me today, like every day from his home, is the number one emo kid in school. Can you see my hair right? Oh now? man. Oh. I just wafted all my hair in front of my eyes. I'm the number one emo kid in class. Andrew. Your favorite, your favorite ghost and emo duo. I'm I'm goth, so we make a good team. <gasps> ghost and goth. Ghost and goth. That's the new. That is the name of the podcast from here on out. <laughs> the ghost and the goth. It is correct to school semicolon the ghost and the goth. Mm-hmm. Ghost and the ghost. Ghost and the what? Go through the yeah, whatever. Throw back to school. How are you doing, Andrew? I'm doing pretty good. I didn't realize how long my hair. I mean, I know how long my hair is, but it's never been in front of my face like this. Oh, this you got way. bangs. Well, I have bangs right now. Yeah, you're this so is, cool. This is how quarantine's going, by the way, everybody. That like this is a, a fresh discovery for me. How long my hair is. Everyone is discovering their bodies in a different new way mm-hmm. every me, day now for me it's bangs apparently bangs yeah i mean might as well try them now if you're not sure if you're gonna like them right who's gonna you judge know? me for my bangs now so like when quarantine's yeah. over in you know 28 months um and the bangs didn't work at least i'll know it then and i'll know it now instead of that yeah yeah and also like in to- in in Months from now, when everyone comes out of quarantine, everyone will have a different haircut than oh. they typically have. And if you so, don't, if you don't come out of quarantine with your sexiest look, you failed your quarantine. Yeah, if you didn't like spend the time worrying about your looks and how you are gonna be seen by other people when you come out, you truly did not do it right. Right. That's what quarantine. That's what this whole thing is about. Governor Inslee said. Stay at home, stay safe, and stay sexy. That was like the three. Wait a minute. Is that a, did he steal that from that murder podcast? No, I don't think so. I think they, I think they stole it from him. Oh, you think so? You don't think Governor Inslee is a, is a, um, my favorite murder fan? A, a murderino, is that what they're called? Oh yeah. Nice. Thank you. Thank Deep you. cut. Thank you. Yeah, deep cut think, to one of the. I think Inslee might be a murderino. I don't know. I mean, Jade's a murderino, and she's from Washington. There's lots of Washingtonians are murderinos. Mm-hmm. Freaks. <laughs> Yikes! That's a lot of people, man. What? Bye. You a, <laughs> yeah, you think I'm afraid to lose listenership? No. I want to start a podcast feud. I want to get the bump from the my favorite murder. Uh, podcast so i'm starting a beef with them so that we can get the attention of my and then i'll be like jk and then we'll all be friends because we connected in this way you know what i mean so i'm starting a fake beef right now with my favorite murder wow i love the arc of this story just so the twist at the end yeah it's unexpected it's all for publicity don't be mistaken by anything this is all for show um, but my favorite oh. murder, you just got dunked on. 
Oh, who knew you were such a opportunist, Andrew? Quarantine's changing me. I've got bangs and I am taking advantage of situations. <laughs> Yikes. You got bangs and you got tang. Um, huh? <laughs> yep. Talking about bangs, I gave my first haircut the other weekend. You did. I saw, I mean, yeah. I did see a video of it, but tell the, tell the listeners who didn't see it on the Marco Polo chain that we are. The very exclusive VIP Marco Polo group we have. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I gave my boyfriend a haircut, past guest Brian, uh, and I've never given a haircut before. I've dyed people's hair and I've cut my own bangs. That's the extent of it. Mm-hmm. How did it go? Um, uh, it, I think it went pretty well. Okay. <laughs> it, um, well, I, so I have a friend, Heidi, who gave her husband a haircut and she put it on Instagram and I asked her what YouTube video she had used and she sent me her the tutorial she had used, which was actually really helpful. Um, so we basically set ourselves up and had the tools and we watched the video and like paused it per step. And then I just kind of like followed the step by step uh-huh. and then um, fixed the mistakes I had made at the end. How do you and, fix hair? Like when you make a, a mistake in a haircut, it kind of uh-huh. feels like that's, it's permanent. Like, it's just like... You well, know. A, a novice like you might think that, but a okay, pro well, like I, me now... I cut my own hair twice, like every two weeks, so I... <laughs> but I'm the pro in this story. Right. I, I'm um, sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, I know better. Uh, if you don't start by go- cutting short, and you, you can always go shorter... Mm. That was the agreement we made with Brian. Who's we, so, wait, who's who's we? Like Brian and I. But you I said split. you said that's the agreement we made with Brian. Like with each other. Okay, so sure. you're including your you're including Brian in the agreement that you made with Brian. So yes. Brian joined you in making an agreement with him. Yeah, that's how agreements work, man. Oh, like, I yeah, I I forgot how agreements work in this quarantine. I I'm sorry. <laughs> they uh they no. Um Yeah, we had a a, a discussion at the beginning to set expectations. <laughs> and then we I took my time. It was like a two and a half hour long <laughs> thing because I didn't want to mess up. <laughs> Two and, and a half hours. Yeah, and and Brian was like sitting on this little plastic stool that I have because I'm too short to get to the kitchen cabinets. Uh huh. So it was not a comfortable seat. Let's just say. So he did great, and uh, and then he went to work the next Monday and did not get thrown rocks at. So I think it's a success. Um, I don't know how many like bad haircuts you've had but like i've had some bad haircuts i don't think i've ever had rocks thrown at me for my haircut wow your middle school was nice Mm. i had a lot of bad haircuts in middle school and middle school girls are at least the ones at my school were not very nice and they carry rocks word rocks 
word okay well if we're talking about not <laughs> physical rocks then yeah i i had plenty slung plenty of rocks wink slung at me in word rocks were a lot of word rocks i've had plenty of word rocks slung at me in oh. middle school high school elementary school but uh not i i don't think i've ever had a physical rock slung at me i oh, thought we were talking no. about rock rocks sorry i've never had a rock thrown at me an actual pebble uh, but were you thrown word rocks for your hair situations? Um, I had, uh, when I was in, I think it was my sophomore year of high school, I, I was dyeing my hair different colors and I dyed it red. And then within like a week, it had sort of washed out to become salmon. And this was like the year 2000 or 2001 or something. So homophobia abound, the idea that you would do anything that was construed as like slightly effeminate was like a crime in that time. So I had pink hair, which was of course like the worst possible thing I could do. So yeah, I was uh, ridiculed, made fun of, called many different things for having a hair atrocity. I'm sorry. It's, it's okay. It's I'm fine now. Yeah. Would you dye your hair again that way? Um, no, I don't think so. I'm not against dyeing my hair, but it's not something I have like a huge desire for. Yeah. I think I feel like that's a, a, a fate. Like, I don't know. Well, people still dye their hair when they're adults, but I feel like a lot of folks that dyed their hair when they were younger. I don't know. Like I did the same where I, I love dyeing my hair. Like I dyed my hair red in middle school and then I had like, and th- I had red hair for like a really long hair, like not red, like, um, naturally ginger red hair, like red, like the blood, blood red, you know? Uh-huh. Um, and then I had like black hair, like jet black hair for a minute, which is intense. Um, for people who don't know, I have like, I had like. I have darker hair now, like I'm I'm brunette, but I used to have like I was blonde as a kid and then like mid brownish in between with highlights. Uh-huh. So like did black hair. Not turns out not gonna do that again. Not gonna not gonna die. <laughs> but anyway. Uh I would love to see you with pink hair. I think it'd be fun. I I'm not against like I, I think about if I were to dye my hair, I probably wouldn't dye it. Like, I don't know. I have this like sort of passing fancy every once in a while, to, like dye like streaks into my hair, but not like mm-hmm. not to have it like fully one color. Yeah. Again. You should do frosted tips. Oh, Give it a- tight. Yeah. NSYNC style. Mm-hmm. 90s comeback, man. Mm-hmm. I'll say bye, bye, bye to my wife who... <laughs> Would you not think like she it. would divorce you for frosted tips? I think um, if she hasn't divorced me yet, I think frosted tips would be the thing that does finally send her over the edge into divorce <laughs> court. Yikes. Yikes. Who's she going to divorce? It's going to be me. <laughs> um. Anyway, Andrew, uh, we did not dye our hair for this episode. Oh, we did not. We uh, watched a movie, mm-hmm. though. Uh, what movie did we watch? We watched a movie 
starring Bill Murray called Groundhog Day. Wow! <laughs> if you've never heard of it, Groundhog Day is about uh, a, a mean dude from Philadelphia. A mean, mean dude. It's kind of like Scrooge a bit. Like because it's, it's Bill Murray, it is it's a little, like, and like he's in another movie called Scrooged, which is about Scrooge. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> so there's just, it just it I I didn't really piece that together that he did two of these types of yeah. movies. But it might be because he Bill Murray is known for he's like the straight lace meanie like at the time like his comedy style is like I'm kind of slightly mean all the time but you still like me because i'm sarcastic or whatever yeah um so it's kind of like scrooge in a way that he starts as the like the guy that you're like oh this guy he's so like full of himself and but like blasé about everything and da 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 and then he turns into a good guy i guess yeah the i i noticed it more this time around the like tonal shift from when he's like a jackass to then like he's nice and in love with Rita is like, it's very sudden. Yeah. Yeah. Because you, they meet each other for the first time, like within the first five minutes of the movie. Right. I think we're supposed to either be led to believe that like, this is like the first assignment they've been on together, or at least like they are either meeting for the first time or like they are very vaguely acquainted with each other. Mm-hmm. Also, Rita is Andy McDowell. Cutie McDowell, yeah. Beautiful Andy McDowell and her luscious curly hair and her trying to not sound Southern accent. <laughs> <laughs> not succeeding. Yeah. <laughs> um, they are reporters. He's a reporter. She's a like a segment producer. Produ- right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's the guy that's been in like everything in the 90s who's the cameraman. Chris Elliott. Here we go. Yeah. And they go to a small town on Groundhog's Day. Well, it's not a day. I guess it's... They go to a town that have that has like a cute, quaint festival. The Groundhog where they, Festival. Yeah, where they pull out a, a groundhog and if winter is going to last or not. And they have a whole festival over there with music and food and drinks and da-da-da. Like, any small town has a version of that with various festivities that seem ridiculous when you're not from the town. But when you're from the town, town it's like, yeah, it's a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and he relives the same day over and over again. Yeah. Pretty much that's yeah. the plot, right? It's yeah. I, he he goes to bed on, so they get snow. Like he's he is a weatherman. He mm-hmm. has predicted that the weather, like that the storm, is going to pass by and not hit where they are. The storm ends up hitting, so they're stuck in this town overnight. He goes to bed, wakes up the next morning, and it's February second again. And so he goes through the day again, sort of like having that feeling of deja vu. Goes to bed again, wakes up again. It's February second, and over and over again, and he is there. the The unique thing about this this uh, 
telling of so Groundhog Day has kind of become like a cultural touchstone of like describing a thing that like a day that happens over and over again. And a lot of movies and TV shows have like done their own version of it. The I think the difference in this one is like there's no like there's not like an omnipotent spirit that's like watching over him and like telling him you have to, you know, get this right or he's sort of on his own like figuring out why is it, and like there's no you don't get a resolution of why this happened to him or what was causing it. It's just sort of like he's just reliving this day over and over again with the same knowledge he had or, you know, gaining knowledge every day that he lives through it. And basically like he, at a certain point is like trying to, he's trying to figure out, you know, what is causing it. So like, there's a part where he tries to like kill the groundhog and there's, you know, like they go through like a series of days where he like kills himself in like many different gruesome ways. And then there's some days where he's just like, fuck it. I'll just do whatever the hell I want. And then towards the Cause end, there's no consequences right. the next day. Cause yeah. there is no next day. Right. He just keeps going back to six o'clock that morning. Yeah. And then eventually he starts to figure out like, what, what does he want from his life? What, you know, like what's missing from his life. And that's when he starts to, become a nicer person and a kinder person and, and more open hearted to people. And then, uh, you know, by the end of the movie, he's sort of the idyllic version of himself. And the, the, the question at hand for this movie is how long was he in the time loop? Right. Yeah. Because he, they don't, they don't, that's not stated. Right. There's not like a, you get, you get like montage. So you're not like, actually living each day with him you understand sometimes there's like 10 minutes of the movie that might be portraying like six 16 days or something you don't you don't know um i remember so i looked it up a little bit and um harold so it i'm gonna read the part from the wikipedia page for under Mm -hmm. time loop duration speculations Mm. in relationship to the spiritual interpretations of the film Many have tried to estimate how long Phil supposedly remains trapped in the loop in real time with wide variations or wide variance in estimated values. During filming, Harold Ramis, the director, observed that according to Buddhist doctrine, it takes 10,000 years for a soul to evolve to its next level. Therefore, he said, in a spiritual sense, the entire arc of Groundhog Day spans 10,000 years. Yikes. Uh, Deason, who I think is the writer, noted that the second draft of the screenplay called for Phil to be cursed to live in the time loop for 10,000 years. In the DVD commentary, Ramis estimated a real-time duration of 10 years. Later, Ramis told reporters, I think the 10-year estimate is too short. It takes at least 10 years to get good at anything. And allotted for the downtime and misguided years he spent, it has to be more like 30 or 40 years. In 2005, Rubens said... Ultimately, it became this weird political issue because if you ask the studio how long was the repetition, they'd say two weeks. But by the point of the movie to me, but the point of the movie to me was you had to feel like you were enduring something that was going on for a long time. For me, yeah. it had to be I don't know a hundred years, a lifetime. In 2014, the website What, Col- what Culture combined various time durations, assumptions, and estimated that Phil spent a total of 12,395 days, just under 34 years, reliving Groundhog Day. Wow. Those are some very different numbers. <laughs> it is. I mean, like, it, it and is. And I didn't know. I guess, like, some people are looking at it in such a spiritual way. Right. And, like, it is, it's, like, an, an, a beloved film. Like, this is not, like, a cult 
movie so it, it makes sense to me that like and it's such a like like it, like we were saying it's like a cultural touchstone where like so many people have done their own versions of it that mm-hmm. i think it is a, a pretty popular movie for a lot of people and it makes sense that there would be so many widely varying theories on how long it takes and i would say probably the 34 years one it seems right to me mm-hmm. yeah it's I, I I like the idea that um, this wiki page uh, pointed out that it takes more than 10 years to get good at something. And this good at something of this movie is like becoming a better person. Well, also like, I mean, like from like if, a, from a like less serious standpoint, he also learns to play the piano and is like a like an an excellent piano player by the end of the movie. So like even that, like there's no way that was two weeks. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. On the other hand, and one of the trivias on IMDb says there are exactly 38 days depicted in this film, either partially or in full. So, you know, that's uh real facts right there. Cause yeah. it's, I am. <laughs> yeah. I am in IMDb is never wrong. I mean, yeah, I it's interesting like watching I mean this is one of my favorite movies from when I was a kid, like a young young uh-huh. kid because like I saw Ghostbusters and like anything with Bill Murray in it was going to be a favorite of mine. Mm-hmm. And for me, I think this is better than Ghostbusters. I think it's Bill Murray's best movie. I mean, it is it is all Bill Murray too. Like right. he does not remotely share screen time and it would like be, it would be hard for that to happen because like you know he a lot of characters sort of have like things to do in the scenes with him but because the story is happening to him like even the parts where he's like starting to open up to rita by the next day it, she resets to how she was on mm-hmm. the start of february 2nd each time right so, well and the, all the other characters replay the exact same moment over and over again versus the entire movie is about the different facets of Bill Murray reacting a different way to each time he's reliving the same thing. So you're learning so much more about his personality than anybody else on in the movie. Um, you, You learn a teeny bit more later on when he's actually trying to be a good person and learning things about other people he becomes less self-centered and and self-absorbed and so you get to know a teeny bit more about the cameraman and um some random people in the town um that he interacts with um the this movie, I think, uh, did you see it in theaters when you were a kid? I have no idea. I don't think yeah. so, but it's it's possible. Yeah, I don't remember the first time I've ever seen. It's one of those movies that I feel, I've said that before, where you feel like you've seen it, but then you don't quite recall where because it's like so in the zeitgeist and everywhere and right. you know what it's about. Kind of like what I felt about Beetlejuice where I thought that I knew what Beetlejuice was about. And then when I actually sat down to watch it for the very first time, I didn't even understand that the, that Alec Baldwin and, um, Gina Gershon. His, 
or his wife, uh, Gina Davis. Gina Davis. Why did I say Gina Gershon? That's not the right point. I don't know. Gina Davis were dead, which is <laughs> like the main point of the movie. Uh, I feel like Groundhog's Day was the same, although there wasn't any like twist this time, but I'm not sure I've actually sat down and watched the thing before. Oh, interesting. I think I have, but honestly, I didn't even remember how it ended, so I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, do you know who was who turned down the role of Phil Connors before Bill Murray took it? Tom Hanks. And? No, I don't know. Michael, Michael Keaton. Oh, that would make sense. Yeah. You know, that's so funny because he, I was thinking about him in the role because he also has that other movie where he multiplies himself. With Andy McDowell in it. With Andy, yeah. So I think when I was a kid, maybe I was confusing confusing those two. And I didn't truly know the difference between Bill Murray and Michael Keaton yet. I don't know. Uh, One of the, like, I think like... I would I would probably love this movie with either of those two in it. It's hard for me not to think of Bill Murray in this role just because like yeah. he is so great in the role. I don't think I would dislike this movie with either Michael Keaton or Tom Hanks in it. Yeah. The I, trivia about the Tom Hanks bit is that they thought they were going to cast Tom or they thought about Tom Hanks to cast it at first, the producers or whatever, but then they realized that Tom Hanks is too likable. And so having him be kind of a jerk at the beginning wouldn't have worked or they thought it wouldn't work as well versus uh, Michael Keaton and Bill Murray, I think, are known to be kind of like brash, smart mouth, loud mouths. Yeah. And but still like enjoyable to the public or at least that's how they got popular in the 80s and 90s. Yeah, I was going to say the like the difference to me between like I think of Michael Keaton more as a Tom Hanks type than a Bill Murray type. Like he just seems like a little sweeter than Bill Murray. Mm-hmm. Um, is that Tom Hanks and Michael Keaton? I would if there's two actors who I would want to be my dad. It would be those. Would be, those would be two of them. And then like Bill Murray at best, I would want to be like an uncle I only see every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Like he just seems like at a at a certain point, as much as he is like funny. I like the sardonic sort of over it attitude he seems to have. I feel like you'd get tired of pretty quickly. Yeah. I think that's uh, one of my kind of negatives of this movie is um, even the redeeming aspects of Bill Murray in Groundhog's Day are not enough for me to counter his like the beginning of him being such a ass to everyone all the time he's so mean to everybody for no reason like he obviously is all like inner hate and i like that's the type of stuff that is just like really hard for me to relate or to like feel bad for them or something because i it's like you don't have a reason to think that you're so much better than everybody else right like at least if i can see like oh like you grew up this way or you you accomplish this thing in your life and so you think you're so much better like it's not an excuse but it like gives me more understanding of that type of personality before this character he's a weather person for a small news channel like people somewhat recognize him on the street but he's not like famous famous right and 
they, you don't really get to learn much about him before they get to the town. So you're not really understanding, like, does he think... Well, he definitely thinks he's, like, a city hotshot because he calls, like, the people living in the small town that's not even that small of a town, at least from the, like, pano shots that they do of the city. It's, like, a city, right? you know? It's not, like, Philadelphia or Chicago or, like, huge, huge cities, but it's still, like, a pretty decent-sized um, city, and he calls people that live there hicks, uh-huh. and I was like, uh, he has never been in the countryside, because that is different. Well, he's, <laughs> like, he's been there twice before. He, he knows. <laughs> right? And it's all because they're having, like, a silly festival for, you know, a rodent animal to maybe predict the weather. Like, it is silly, yeah. but he just comes with such a condescending attitude and then and then is also mean and mean to his coworkers like crew who go with him Rita and the cameraman um and then he relives the same day i feel like his first reaction to living the same days over and over again is like his first reactions are even meaner like he doesn't go to like freaking out or i don't know he goes straight to like well i'm just gonna fuck around because like it doesn't matter like finally i have an excuse to do illegal things because there's no like repercussion and i don't know i just like when that stuff happens in movies i'm always like so you spend your whole life waiting for things to be okay for you to do illegal things like that's your only wish in life i don't think that was quite the the lesson that he was just like (laughs) now that consequences have no meaning i get to do these things i've been waiting to do like he's been like chomping at the bit to like break the law i think it's just more like well if i have no consequences like i might as well do x or you know whatever like Mm -hmm. but yeah you're right like the like the fact that you would go to Hmm. Well, if I have no consequences, like might as well break the law instead of, you know, yeah, he's just, he is a very self-serving, self-cynical person, very cynical, mm-hmm. um, that, yeah, I, it's hard. It's hard at first to get on board with his character just because he's so just like, he is the, like, I don't want, he's not the worst of humanity. Like he never kills somebody no. in one of these, although like there's a, there is a argument to be made that in the scene where he's driving on the train tracks with those two guys, the drunk ones, the drunk ones. And there's a cop car right behind him. And Mm -hmm. he like swerves out of the way of the train that the train might've wiped out those other cops, but like, we don't ever see that part of it. But yeah, you know, like he's not, he doesn't kill anybody. He never like takes advantage of somebody like physically or, you know, in any, like Mm -hmm. he never puts somebody in like a really compromising position. It's always like, He's he's always thinking about himself first. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And it's not until, I guess, 34 years later when he starts to think about other people before himself that that's when the he starts to get on the good track of. Yeah, which is how he gets out of his curse, quote-unquote. Like, it, it, he spends... The, the last day of him not being repeated again is like a perfect day of him being kind and helpful 
and considerate and empathetic to every single person he interacts with. Right. And everybody loves him. And he doesn't try to get with Rita, which I guess is enough for her to get into him. And then and then they he like it goes to the next day finally. Yeah. The there's one scene when he is trying to get with Rita really, yeah. really hard. And there's like the one night where he like it's like going pretty good and then he starts to like reveal that he knows too much about her and she gets creeped out Mm -hmm. and then the next the next night where they're like having that snowball fight with those kids and he is like such a try hard like i can't wait to adopt my own kids (laughs) you know like he is trying so hard to like get her to like notice how how like open to children he's being that it's like i mean I haven't been in that exact situation, but you know, like when you're like trying so hard to impress somebody that it's like just falling on your, it's falling on its face. Like yeah. that feeling, I was like, wow, I have definitely been there before where you're just like, you are so desperate to get this person to like notice this like quality about you that you're like overdoing it by like 20. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you. I relate to that feeling and I've definitely been in that situation. Just like trying to like, be so excited about our friendship or, or rem- romantic relationship or any type of thing like that, where you're just like, you have like, no, it's hard to like find the limit of you like staying yourself. Cause right. you're just trying to like put out all these like qualities about yourself. Yeah, and then it feels very like not genuine, but you're just like, you can't stop. Right. And your it, filter is just gone. Yeah. I feel that. I also feel like in this movie specifically, there's a lot of those scenes that get real creepy. Yeah. Like, in terms of, like, if you put yourself in Rita's shoes, that she's doesn't know this guy. It's been two days. It, you know, it used to be a distant co-worker, and then they're on this project. It's just one day so far, and yeah. he was kind of a dick for half the day, and then the other half of the day, he, like, randomly lists things that I'm really into as well. They're, like, random. The series of scenes where he's, like, getting one detail per day. Like, duly like, noted, yeah. like, oh, this cocktail, and... um no white chocolate or whatever like he's listing all these things that she's into and not into in french poetry and then he like whispers like whispers gibberish french to her at a restaurant Mm -hmm. (laughs) like there's a lot of this that to me is cringy but then the worst i think but it's still like you see where it like where they are what they're trying to do and what they're trying to say about the situation i think the worst part is when he invites her at his in his room and she's like like what after like multiple days of him like remembering one detail then they get to the one day where it's like a perfect day for rita because he's like home run every single moment and it gets to the evening and Rita has been like, she's had a great day and he's like, yeah, okay. I, I batted perfectly all the way until the end. I'm going to invite her back at my apartment or my hotel room, whatever. And she's like, eh, I don't know if that's a good idea. Like literally this is day two for me. And he's like, no, I got to show you something. And then they go inside and he basically just shows her the, the suite. 
Right. Like, that's what he was showing her. I don't know. And he gets quite pushy. And that part, I was like, mm, there's some... Those undertones are a little too strong now. I feel like it was... I guess it was, like, perfect for the 80s, 90s. And then watching it now, it just feels a little too far. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, yeah. Um, and and that's when... But that's when he goes too far to, like, list things. Like, he says out loud, like, oh, I gotta remember this for next time or something. And then she's like, what? Like, she freaks out and then leaves, which is great. And then you get the montage of, of Andy McDowell slapping Bill Murray in the face over and over again, which... That was kind of fun. That was uh, great, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So there's some there's some good gems in there. I think my favorite parts are like his interactions with the townies more than like the arc of his relationship with Rita. Honestly, sure. Um, like his interactions with Stephen Tobolowski oh, is man. like Ned it's Ryerson just too good. Is, yeah, Ned Ryerson is so like. I I think like what a clown what a clown and also like such an icon like not an iconic character but like it is like whenever you find somebody whenever I found somebody who liked the movie it was always me doing the hey Phil <laughs> Phil and like you know the the thing he does where he goes it's me Ned and then lifts his hat up Ryerson that like <laughs> his like partially bald head would be the thing that would like give it away of like yeah. oh of course. And like that whole thing. I remember just, you bald person from yeah. when you were 13. What? And like, I just, he's so funny in this movie. And like, you know, when he's like, like, you know, clearly Bill Murray does not remember him. And he's like just reciting facts that he just gave him back to him. He's like, Ned Ryerson, bing, <laughs> bing. Like, he's just, yeah, he's, he's wonderful. And like, he's become such a wonderful character actor and like for me this was like the first probably the first thing i'd seen him in but it's still like my favorite role of his too yeah yeah i i think i saw uh that he was in this movie after i had seen freaky friday um and so to me it was like oh my gosh it's mr bates uh-huh. um which is a very different character because the in freaky friday he's like the serious teacher that hates Lindsay Lohan the whole time. Yeah. And in this one, he's such a loud, goofy clown person that it's just like so fun to see him. Yeah. He's very funny in this movie. And that, yeah, the like town drunks are, you know, like there's a scene where they're at the diner and some like Rita says, I can't believe you think I'd believe this Phil. And then one of the guys turns and goes, Phil, like the groundhog Phil. And he's just like, yeah, like the groundhog fail. And just like the- <laughs> that reminded me of like Parks and Rec with little Sebastian, you know? It's just oh, like yeah. like the idea. I feel like that's like Hollywood's idea of what town people yeah. sound like. Yeah, those are townies for sure in Hollywood <laughs> world. Yeah. Or like something from like Gilmore Girls, you know? Like they're obsessed with this one thing that happens once a year in their town. Yeah. <laughs> I think, um, do you have any favorite scenes from the movie? Um, besides this, the, the Ned, like, recurring thing, things, um, let me see. I think, I like the, I like the different, like, almost like the beginning of the, um, of him, like, 
the small montages are kind of like old school I don't know they feel very nostalgic so it's not so much like a seed but like all the times that he says hi to the the lady who runs the Airbnb Mm-hmm. He, every morning he comes down from his room and she's like and they have this interaction and she's just like so cute um so like those series of like reoccurrence with each character i think of my are my favorites um favorite parts of the movie and then this time around i got really emotional at the the old homeless man that oh, he yeah. tried to help I didn't remember that part at all, and I, I was like, "Where is this going?" And that's towards the 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 later the second half of the movie where he's learning how to do good deeds and be a good person. Um, and this old man just keeps dying on him, every, like over and over again. Yeah, and that that I was like, "That's really tough. Yeah, like no, that's really hard." No matter what he does, this old man mm-hmm. passes mm-hmm. away. Like he passes away when he just like helps him out like gives him a coat he, he dies when he gives him his meal he di- like it, yeah. like he it's sort of this like i mean the the whole thing with the old man is sort of like the inciting incident of like him starting to change his ways like mm-hmm. i think that the lesson that he learns from that is that like something this is just inevitable like he there are some things he can't fix Right, and that, and but, and but through doing those actions, I feel like the underlying thing is that he learns how, like, the fact that doing good things for other people, even if you know the outcome is potentially not positive, right? It it's still like it's a good like inner work and 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 muscle memory for him to start doing good deeds for other people, even if he can't control how that's going to pan out for other people. Yeah. Yeah. So that that I think was one of the best parts of the movie to like show some like emotional depth to the character. How about you? Do you have favorite shots, favorite scenes? My favorite scene has always been the scene where he like it's the part where he tells Rita he thinks he's a god in the <laughs> diner and like <laughs> The, just the, the like the series of things where she's like, well, who's that? And he's like, oh, that's, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they do this, blah, blah, blah. And then like just going to each character and like he reveals a little bit about this character and this character. And then she's like, well, what about me? What do you know about me? And then he just like sort of tells her a little bit. And then she's like, well, everybody knows that. And then he gives her all these little details. I love that because like he's not being sardonic, you know, cynical, bill murray in that moment he's like sort of at his he's gone through the series of times where he's killed himself he's also gone through the series of times where the old man dies and he's gone through the series of trying to romance like romance rita and all these different things and he's just sort of like i just don't know what to do anymore and so he like it's that sort of turning point of the movie where it's just like maybe this is just my this is just the me forever is having to live this day for the rest of eternity. And like, I, I think like that, that scene, I don't know why I've always loved that scene a lot. It just like the, you know, he tells her what's going to happen when, is it Larry is the camera guy? Uh-huh. Um, like, you know, predicts what he's, or t- writes down on a piece of paper, what he's going to say. I just, I've always been charmed by that scene. I think it's still my favorite scene. Yeah, you're right. That is a pretty good scene. Also, did you realize who there's the young couple that is at the diner that he says like, 
Oh, well, she, um, she had cold feet this morning because yeah. they're getting married this afternoon. The Wrestle, and then the WrestleMania couple. Yeah. And then later, yeah, when he's like finally a, a good person and the whole town, the whole town loves him. He gives them WrestleMania tickets. Did you realize who the, the, the boy in the couple is? No, I don't. Michael Shannon. Really? Yeah. Like we were watching it and Brian was like, wait a minute. And I was like, yeah, that's really young Michael Shannon. And he's Weird. like peppy and and like smiling and fun, which is really weird because now he mostly only plays like meanies and, you know, Nazis and I don't know, just like bad guys. That is but it was, yeah. Uh, wow. I'm sort of blown away. <laughs> it was really fun to see him in there. It was so random. I, I from the, you're talking about the guy from Knives Out, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's nuts. yeah. He's the like he's the uncle, one of the uncles. In yeah, Knives the Out. sort of like lurch looking guy. Yeah, with like, the sweaters. Oh my god, really? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's the bad guy in uh, the the lady in the water. Is that what was? I haven't that? seen. I haven't seen that. One. Oh okay. Anyway, he's great. Yeah, he's a terrific actor. I'm just like that. Yeah, I, I as many times as I've seen this movie, I've never noticed that. Yeah, it's weird. so funny. It's weird. Um, well, you probably watch this movie on a regular basis since you've seen it as a youth, right? Yeah. Yeah. But would you be able to rate it now? Uh, it's, I mean, like, I'm going to be unfair. It's, it's, a, it's a five out of five for me. I like, okay. like, I, I can, wa- I probably watch this movie once a year is my guess. But like, on I, Groundhog's Day? I, I don't know. <laughs> Today, Groundhog Day. Um, I just I love it. It like to me it 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 hits all the right nostalgia notes for me, and also like I you know I think it's aged pretty well. Other than like you're right, the scene where he's like really moving fast on Rita and sort of like insisting that she stays. Like mm-hmm. he's never like you know he doesn't like grab her by the wrist and he's like you you know like whatever. Mm-hmm. But like there is a little bit of like he's being a little too you know handsy with her I mm-hmm. guess. but um yeah i think like other than that it's aged pretty well the humor is still good you know like bill murray is still putting in a good performance and mcdowell's good yeah I, I it's hard for me not to give it five out of five just because of mm-hmm. the nostalgia it gives me watching it how about you um i think hmm i think i want to give it a Two out of five. Okay. Three. I okay. Um, okay, so, we're ending the podcast now, and uh, thank you for everybody for listening. And Liza, it's been a great run, and but unfortunately, the podcast is ending forever right now. Uh, I'm getting booted out, you guys. Uh, enjoy the um, enjoy the ghost and the ghoul or whatever we were while you have it, because <laughs> it's over now. Um, I. Okay, they, I love Stephen Kowalski. I love Andy McDowell. There's a lot of um, cameos and things like that in the movie that I really like. Um, Bill Murray is not my favorite. Uh, not just in this movie, just in general. Um, Although I like Ghostbusters, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of cult classic movies that he's in that I do like, but it's not because of him. And otherwise, there's some 
pretty good funny moments and it gives you a lot of like nostalgia of movie making for the 80s and 90s Mm -hmm. with like the montages and things like that um so those are the positives of the movie but there's a fair amount of negatives in it that i i would probably wouldn't watch it again uh unless someone asked me to for a podcast (laughs) a new podcast you're starting now that this one's over you mean (laughs) yeah (laughs) i'm gonna start a podcast for every time you boot me out of this podcast so it's a podcast of like so that time I got booted out, we watched this, and this is what happened. Uh huh. So it's a it's a tell all of like how I kicked you off the podcast. Yeah. Who's your co-host yeah. on this tell all about me? All the people you've wronged. Oh, <laughs> wow! <laughs> You're gonna have a lot of episodes. Yeah, so many guests uh, lining up at my door. Yeah. Well, not uh, right now, but my my imaginary virtual right. door. Yeah. Uh, Liza, should we get to the surprise prize? Yeah, let's do it. All right. And here we are in the surprise prize. I'll edit in the surprise prize music later. <gasps> oh, the flute. Oh, the flute. <laughs> you know that flute. The beautiful flute. Okay, Fernando. Um, okay, Fernando, knock it off. <laughs> this week's surprise prize is a question. Uh huh. What was Andrew your weirdest deja vu moment? If you've ever had that. Hmm. Do you do you have an answer for yours? Because I need to think. Yeah, about while you think about it, I'm gonna tell you my weirdest déjà vu story. I have déjà vu a lot. Like, I don't know if there's like an average amount of déjà vu people have, and I have more than them, or I just like say it out loud when it happens, and people don't. So then it feels like I always have them, and people never have them around me. I don't know. I feel like I have déjà vu a lot. And here's this story. Uh, I'm going to try to be prompt because it kind of takes forever. Um, So a million years ago, I was a kid and I had a dream. Okay, Martin Luther King Jr., go ahead. (laughs) Um, And I remember the dream mostly because I told it to my sister when it happened so then it was like, it, it's been in my mind because I, re- I have the memory of telling my sister because I don't remember all my dreams like that. And the dream was my family and I, and I'm a kid, right? I'm like 10 or something. Um, in the dream, my family and I are hanging out. It's summertime at a park and we're like picnicking or whatever. And it's in Seattle. So it's like with my sister and my brothers and my dad. And... There's a bunch of, it's like a crowded park. So obviously not during quarantine. Um, it's a crowded park and people are like really up close to each other. Like, you know, you've got everybody picnicking like pretty up close and, pe- and there's more and more people coming and it's beautiful out. And then it's part of like an event. Like people are there for an event in the dream. And then there's, you know, those big beach balls that they hop around at concerts uh-huh. and things like that. 
a beach ball is being thrown around and I see it kind of like afar and we keep talking and all of a sudden it like shows up and bounces and slams on the face of the group that's right next to us and the group that's right next to us I had been like paying attention to in the dream because they're like cool early 20s people it's like a group of Asian kids and they're like well dressed and they're having fun and like hiding their booze and and I'm a kid and I'm like man those are so cool they're such cool people and the ball slams into a girl's face and then they laugh about it and then they throw the ball further so and then the dream stops so I tell my sister that because I remember thinking like what that was such a weird dream like it's so specific yet like nothing to do with like I don't know that group of people and like what is my brain trying to tell me fast forward like five or six years later or something like that and my family and I I'm in Seattle it's during the summer and for fourth of July we go to Gasworks Parks in Seattle which is a popular place to be on fourth of July because they do fireworks on Lake Union right there and the park is like hugging the water so you and there's a hill so you can like sort of amphitheater yourself with a blanket to watch the fireworks in the evening and we're there pretty much all day and the the park gets more and more crowded and then I'm not kidding you there's a group of young Asian people that sit next to us and then a beach ball gets thrown around and basically the dream happens before my eyes Hmm. and I sound like a crazy person but I remember like watching it and then just being like why does that feel very familiar and then I just kept thinking about it all day and then I remembered having told that dream to my sister that was like a basically a copycat version of what had happened in real life and I was like is that what deja vu is you just like dream shit and then it happens and you think you lived it again anyway I sound like cuckoo bonanza hippie dippy crazy person right now and I don't care it happened and it still gives me chills to this day that's all I think, like, I, I wish, now I kind of wish I'd gone first because, like, my examples <laughs> of, like, deja vu are just, like, sort of, like, you know, uh, like, I will have a feeling when I'm, like, driving around with my wife that, like, we've done this drive before or, like, mm-hmm. you know, we've gone to this particular restaurant before, but it's, like, the first time we've ever been. Like, that sort of deja vu is the kind I have. I haven't had, like, a premonition about, like, my life later on that, like, <laughs> came true. That's some, like true precog shit i know i knew you were gonna say that and it, it, honestly like what i have you had a vision <laughs> about this moment um so I, I i truly it feels less worthwhile for me to have gone last because it's just like the sort of thing where it's like have i been here before uh i guess not like that's the sort of deja vu i've had where it's just like mm-hmm. Oh, I feel like I've made this particular drive on this particular street under these circumstances before, but like mm-hmm. it may just be that I have driven on that street on a day like the one I did, that sort of thing where like, yeah, again, less exciting, but I think probably maybe more common than like your eyes turning white and like seeing your future and then <laughs> it happening. Yeah. Um, 
Well, the whole reason of me bringing this on the podcast is so I can get hired uh, for the police department as their uh, in-house medium. Wow. So, I hope it works out for yeah, me. So, Sheriff Jade, if you're looking for a, a, a psychic a pre- detective, a precog for your uh, department. It's like psych, but better. There's nothing wrong with psych. I didn't say that. I'm saying. <laughs> it's better. It's better because it'd be Jade and I, and we're so cute. But she would be like the Detective Lassiter of, she works for the department. It wouldn't be like, she wouldn't be your Gus. Okay, fine. It's like Monk. Okay. So she's Stottlemyre. She's Captain, yeah, Captain Leland Stottlemyre, and I'm Adrian Monk. Okay. (laughs) You do have the OCD of of Monk, so that is, that that matches up. Uh, yep, that's me. Yep, and that's us and our episode. <laughs> and if you want to relive this podcast over and over again, uh, you can go to our Patreon and subscribe to the bonus episodes over at patreon.com slash Studio. You can review us on Apple Podcast and on any podcast platform you use. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You can message us on all the things that we're on, Instagram and Facebook. Yeah. At Direct to School. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, let us know uh, about your deja vu stories. Yeah. I want to hear them. Yeah, I want to hear about all you precogs out there figuring out crimes and uh, guessing when you were going to go to a park. Please don't make me feel like a weirdo. I want to make sure other people have the same abilities. Uh, Liza, if you're waiting for people not to make you feel like a weirdo, uh, too late. Ah! Ah! All right, we'll see everybody tomorrow. See you tomorrow. Bye-bye.